the network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. You're listening to Women in AV Wavecast, episode number five, our AV Gents, recorded on Wednesday, August 1st, 2012. Welcome, everybody. You're here listening to the Women in AV Wavecast. We're so excited that you can join us. And we have a very special set of panelists for you today. We're really excited because today we're talking to the men in AV. As many of us know and have experienced, we have a lot of men in our industry who are incredibly supportive of the women that come before us and those of us who are here today and will come after us. So men have played an incredibly important role for the women in our industry, in our career advancement, mentoring, and just all around being very supportive. So we're really excited to bring to you today the men in our industry. Let's go around and say hello to everybody. With us, we have have Tim Albright. Tim, hi, how are you? Can you tell us uh, who you are and what you do? Uh, my, well, my name is Tim Albright. How, how are you? Um, uh, my main job is is a, a, a AV uh, professional for a, a local community college outside of St. Louis, but I'm also uh, one of the guys that started the AV Nation podcast with AV Week uh, and all the others, including including the Waves. So that's that's me. Welcome. Thank you. And we have with us um, Chuck Wilson of NSCA. Good morning, Chuck. How are you? I'm great, Jennifer, and thank you for having me today. Um, let me give a brief rundown on, on myself. I spent about 20-plus um, years as a system integrator in the upper Midwest doing a variety of AV systems and a lot of things with um, networking and, and wireless technologies and, and uh, life safety security things. And then the last 15 years, I've had the privilege of uh, being the executive director here at NSCA. So happy to be here today. Thanks for joining us. We have with us John Green with Advanced AV. John, how are you this morning? Wonderful, Jennifer. Really wonderful. Uh, I'd like to uh, pass along as my thoughts as well to be uh, it's an honor to be a part of this discussion. Um, to give you a little bit of a background of, uh, of my position, I'm, a, I'm the Vice President of Sales and Marketing at Advanced AV. I've been with the organization for the past five years. Um, my uh, history of, of being in the AV industry starts back in 1979, and, and I've got quite a mix of, of experiences all the way from broadcast to dealer sales to manufacturer sales. So it's been a long and uh, actually a wonderful ride. So, again, thanks for being on the phone call. And we have George Tucker with us with uh, World Stage. George, how are you today? I'm doing just great. Good to be on the show. Uh, I guess a little bit about me. Yes, I am with World Stage. I've done, uh, what, 20-something years of doing uh, residential and commercial installations and automation to live events and and Broadway uh, and a little bit of blogging and most proudly a producer here at AV Nation. Great. Well, thank you, gentlemen. Thank you so much for joining us. And so one of the things that we do for all of our guests is we try to send each of them a gift. And it's our way of saying thank you. Um, thank you for all that you do. And thank you for being on the podcast. So now's the time when we open them up and see what they are. So go ahead. That came off easy. Oh, that's very cute. <laughs> It's a robot. It's a wind-up man. <laughs> a wind-up robot. <laughs> oh, that'll have a place on my desk. 
<laughs> this will drive my cat crazy. <laughs> Clever. Or my or my five year old. Either one. <laughs> it'll, it'll drive my four year old crazy. That's no, wonderful. That Thank you very much. You're welcome. Thank we you. thought it would drive you crazy. <laughs> um, what For our listeners out there, uh, what we have for the gentleman today is, as they said, it's a wind-up robot. And so the reason that uh, we thought of you for that was because you're so technical, because you guys love machines, and um, it is also a special one because you have to really sort of – I was playing with this one at the store. And so if you really crank it a lot of times, you'll see that he runs fast, he climbs mountains, and he keeps on going. So um, – uh, that was certainly something where we thought that you guys would enjoy that. So very thank cool. you again for being here. Thank you very Great much. Great selection. Thank you. Thanks. Uh, mine's going mad. <laughs> Just like you. Great. So um, let's get started then. Um, you know, one of the, the reasons that we invited you all and asked you all to be here is because you are such strong supporters of women in our industry. And, you know, for that, we're incredibly grateful. Um, but we'd really like to understand from your perspective, um, you know, having the experience that you do in the industry, what are some of the challenges that you see for women? And mentioning that you've had such a long career, what is some of the progress that you've also seen versus, you know, long ago where, you know, women like Jan Sandry has come on before and talked about how she was one of three women in an entire trade show versus, you know, some of the success that we saw this past Infocom and especially Chuck with NSCA and the hosting the Women in AV reception as you did and things like that. So why don't you go ahead and start off for us, Chuck? Okay. You know, I got my start in the business, um, as well in the late 70s, I guess. And, you know, things have, have changed for the better uh, and very dramatically. And what I see is that, um, and I, I keep going back to the word credibility, is that the, the women that I know, the women in our industry, the business owners, the managers, the, the people who have, you know, done what it took to train themselves and done what it, what it, it took to become successful is they've done a great job establishing credibility. And I think where that, that comes into play is it's been really tough over the years for a male-dominated uh, technology-based organization to find a place for women beyond, you know, just the, the clerical kinds of things and stuff like that. So I think, I think as an industry, uh, we've helped a little bit, or I feel like we've contributed to doing more with career paths and and being more systematic and and mindful about you know how you can start in the industry and how you can advance up through it. So that that credibility and the the confidence that these uh, women you mentioned, Jan Sandry, and and what a role model for others because she carries herself with the pride and confidence um, you know that it takes to be successful regardless of gender. And then she also does a fabulous job of, of blending uh, an element of humility in with that. And I think that's really the key. It's so important to have that fine balance of confidence and humility at the same time, which makes you, uh, you know, an awesome person like she is and, and many others. So that's what I've seen is that it's just gotten so much better. Great. Well, thanks. And uh, how about you, George? <laughs> When I started, it was really, uh, and staging especially, I started in the event live staging world, and there were very, very few women. If you saw them at all, it was in theater, and most of those people were lighting designers, um, but they were there. Um, the long and slow 
path that I've seen are mostly people who started in at some level of being an intern because they went to trade school and they said, I'm really going to do this. And even if they were the only uh, woman there, they really did try to persevere. And they were usually the interns that we found stayed longest, uh, worked hardest, <laughs> and really wanted to prove themselves. Um, you know, that was true for some of the, the, the male students as well. But it really comes down to watching the, and I think uh, you said it before, the confidence and the pride. That really becomes something, I think, when, when we were watching more and more women enter this industry, especially in the live event side. Their confidence of knowledge and their pride in being able to do something like this and not have to say, oh, it's the girl. It was just another person on the, on the staff, and that's what they strove for. Uh, really has, that's the change I've seen over the last at least 20 years. It went from someone who was sort of, oh, wow, look, there's a girl over there, to no one cares. That's, that's Kelly, or that's whoever. <laughs> She's doing the lighting, and when you need her, you go over there. <laughs> okay. I, so for my generation, really, it's been almost a non-issue. I mean, you kind of noticed it in the beginning. But in the live world, it's not really an issue so much because, you know, we're all working 36 hours of straight sometimes. So if you get the work done, you get the work done. That's all that matters. Great. Thanks. How about you, John? Well, I guess I'm going to have to give the history lesson on this one. I, and going back as far as I, as I go, I think that um, I started out in, a, uh, in the broadcast marketplace. Actually, um, prior to that, I had a lot of other experiences. But... You know, I came out of high school, and at the time, uh, you had the ability to go from a high school education up to, you know, king of the world if you wanted to, and there wasn't a high demand on on training and 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 college education. It was something that was available, but it wasn't it wasn't pushed. And when I started in the industry, there were the women in the industry were strictly limited to secretarial and administrative support. I mean, actually using the term secretary today kind of is a funny term. It's not it's not utilized at all. I don't, I don't think that there were. Uh, I don't think that there was any drive to uh, support women in the industry in the broadcast marketplace, and, and and I guess my only insight into that is based upon I think that it was a technical um, area. Uh, everything that, that that revolved around technology also had a tendency to break. So if there wasn't training in that area, if there wasn't tech school training, and or I'm going to go back as, as far as you know, being a soldier in the war, coming out and going to tech school and understanding, you know, what gamma was to a color camera and things of that nature, it just wasn't available and it wasn't needed. I mean, there was they were they were pushing women to a large degree into secretarial hairdressing and and things of that nature. Um, I didn't see until later on, and this is kind of moving it up the calendar a bit. You know, Y2K, <laughs> it's, you know, it's a term that's not used an awful lot anymore, but it opened up, uh, you know, the need for any population to be involved in technology. I think that was, oddly enough, one of the training, one of the, you know, parts in the in the t timeline here that, that caused change to occur. Um, even, I, I, even in a broadcast industry that I was in there for 10 years, I could comfortably say that I didn't see a woman on the, on the technical side. I was dealing with, you know, broadcast engineers and camera people. Uh, and again, the, those positions were secretarial and or on-air, you know, they were on-air talents. That was basically the only place that was open. Um, so it's been a dramatic change. I mean, it's truly just just the population of women and the presence of women in the industry. Uh, it's rather refreshing, uh, uh, you know. So that's what I've seen. Wonderful. How about you, Tim? Uh, see, I <laughs> I feel like the the least qualified guy here because you've got Chuck and John and George, and then there's you know me. So 
Uh, <laughs> it's like, all right, you know, I'm just going to sit here and listen to you guys. My, my thing is, um, I, I came in in the, uh, like, George, I'm about, you know, 20 years out on this business. And, and I came in also in the, in the broadcast. And, and so a lot of my experiences are the same as John's, is, is towards the middle to late 90s. Yes. You know, the, the women got kind of got, you know, into it. And, and I grew up, I, I grew up in a very, um, I'm not quite sure how to put this. But I guess the best way to put it is is a liberal home, and and you know I was raised where you know what my mom instilled in both me and my sister: you can do anything you want to do, you can be anything you want to be, regardless of your your race, your color, your creed, your gender. You can be what you want to be, and and so I had that mentality growing up: is you know what Jennifer could be. My, my sister was was named Jennifer. She could be president just as easily as I could, and so uh, I, I kind of entered the workforce with that attitude. Um, and as I developed in the AV industry and, and saw that there, you know, the the uh, disparity between men and women, just not not necessarily, you know, um, in in jobs or pay, just the fact that there weren't a lot of women, I, I noticed obviously that there weren't. And as I grew older and a family developed, and my first child is is a little girl; she's six years old. This is all of the, my my whole support of this. Is kind of to further my mom and my sister's legacy of you can do what you want to do to instill in my daughter. She can be what she wants to be. And if I can do anything to help, you know, make that easier for her in an industry that I love, which is AV, that's why I do it. it it's not, you know, because um, I have some, you know, ulterior motives. It's the fact that, that I honestly believe that she can do what she wants to do. And so if I can help in that in any way, that's, that's why, you know, I like doing stuff like this. I couldn't agree with you more, Tim. I, I, you know, I, I my position is, um, I've again in a liberal household, but I think that it's just we've all been given the opportunity in the AV industry to be able to become whatever we need to become. You know, again, I don't think that there's an industry today that if you would enter into with a high school education that you could put, you know, find myself in a position like this. Yeah. Uh, I think there's an awful lot of encouragement in this in this industry, and I sit back many times, and that's. You know, when you ask why I'm involved in women in AV, I, I feel exactly the same way. This has been a very kind industry to me. You know, I've been able to maintain employment for 30 plus years, and it's it's been. And I, I'm excited, and I look around and say, why aren't there more women involved? And and again, I just think that I don't think there's been enough encouragement. I don't think that there's been enough education. You know, in and your timeline that you mentioned was a was a good one. I think that you know the later 80s and early 90s. You know, when, when that broadcast technology or the technology that we're utilizing on a daily basis back then became more consumer-like. It became available to everybody. Everybody was touching the technology. It wasn't, it didn't have to be that old white guy that had a screwdriver <laughs> to, figure out, to figure out exactly what was broken or what switch to throw. I mean, everybody was using it. Uh, and, and again, I saw an increase in, in, in all of effect of that, uh, the, you know, the sales of the product. And that's, that's basically where I come from. I mean, my... My viewpoint is always going to be more so from a sales point. Wonderful. Great. Well, Tim, one of the things that, um, you know, I'd like to start off our next question with is with you. And so a lot of people don't know um, that when we do our recordings here, I don't know if I'm giving away any secrets. Oh, give them uh, away. <laughs> Maybe some, yeah, give them away. <laughs> Great. Um, well, when we do our recordings, um, Tim is actually uh, sort of the man behind the curtain. And so for all of our Wavecast recordings, Tim is online with all of us. And 
such a wonderful time. And he sits and he actually listens to all of the recordings. So um, he actually has the inside scoop on everything that's going on. So, Tim, I'd just like to hear your sort of thoughts, knowing that we have had a couple of episodes now with um, very different women, different we've just recently um, put forward our young women in AV. We had the board of directors as our inaugural one. We've done designers. Um, you know, what are your um, experiences and sort of tell us what you've heard um, as you've sat and listened or, or what your thoughts are? Um, first of all, I, I thought the, the, I think the inaugural one um, was the one I think that blew me away the most. And you had Joanne, uh, I'm going to get her name wrong, but I think it's Bellinger. Belange. Belange. Uh, and Corey Schaefer and, and, uh, and Jan Sandry, you had those three women on. And here's what they, they gave me, at least as a, as a man in the AV industry, is the idea of this is as much about relationships as it is about understanding Ohm's Law. Uh, and, and that was a really cool insight. <sighs> Ohm, yeah. But yes. I mean, it, it, it was because, you know, we, we, you know, guys are, you know, nothing, this is not a sexist statement. Men and women are, are just kind of wired differently. And a lot of times, us guys, we worry more about, you know, the gazenta into the gazauta instead <laughs> of the, that, I stole that from, from a buddy of mine, Rich Fergoza. Right. Um, yeah, I, I, we worry about, more about the connectedness instead of the connectedness between each other. And I think that was the really cool insight. Um, the the young women in AV just made me feel old. <laughs> so um, you got, uh, you've got you know w- women here who are up and coming in in their twenties, and I wish that I had the foresight to be in this industry at that age because that would have been really cool. Um, yeah, I I, I got I gotta again back you a lot of your thought process on this. I I think that at least on the sales side of things, when I'm involved with account managers that are that are women, they come at it from a uh, collaborative approach. They truly do. Yes. I think that even even working amongst the, the crew here to get a problem solved, they do it from a collaborative uh, tactic. And uh, that's probably the most successful sales approach that I've ever seen. Um, you know, sitting down with a client and understanding a problem and talking about it. And I think that, that men take a more direct approach. I hear what you have a problem with. This is what you need to do. Yes. <laughs> and I, <laughs> and uh, so I, I, when I think that when women take that challenge and they take the skill set that they already possess and it's, and it's ingrained, uh, I think that there's great success. Uh, so. What about you, Chuck? Well, um, you know, again, you know, I agree with what the, the gentlemen have, have mentioned as well. What, what, what I see is that, you know, the women have a lot of strengths that, that uh, you know, and like we say, we're, we're different. But in my mind, the, the professional women that I've had the pleasure of dealing with, they seem to be better organized. You know, just overall, they seem to have um, clearer ways of organizing their thoughts. And what that translates into, um, I've seen a lot of them in action with, uh, conducting sales meetings and stuff, and they tend to ask better questions than some of us guys that are so wrapped up into the technology, and you know they they don't have that male ego that that drives this instinct we have to you know spew out all of our knowledge and wisdom and and somehow you know use that as a sales technique when the the people at the other end are sitting there 
wondering, you know, really what in the hell are we talking about and why is that important, you know, is they're sitting there trying to get the reaction and getting that, you know, that inner using their interpersonal skills to get the reaction from the client to find out what they really want in the first place. So I, I see that as a definite strength and, and something that we can build upon here. I call it, you know, uh, the, uh, and, and with our account managers, I, you know, the, 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 I have a couple of women in positions of business development, and, and the other thing is they're fearless to hold a conversation. Yeah. You know, and I think that there's an awful lot of men that if they're invited into a conversation will certainly walk over in a cocktail party and start it, but I think that there's an awful, you know, women uh, have no fear of starting a conversation, and it takes, and that's, that's another success for sales. Yeah. It's funny. It's the difference between the uh, "I am the alpha dog." Listen to me, dang it! Yes. And the, yes. Hey, yes. what are you and who are you? I got to say, one of the yes. most important lessons I learned was from a tech teacher I had in one of the. I went to a trade school who basically who who basically taught me at a mixer for me trying to get a job as an internship. Saying, ask them about themselves. Sure. And I learned how to be a good listener. And I know this this goes into this men are for me or Mars and whatever the book is. But it was a valuable <laughs> lesson that. Someone taught me who happened to be technical and female, but it's the most important, important trick. Um, but here's my question. We're talking about all this, but why do we think we're, we say we're an open uh, business and in the AV industry is where anyone can do anything, the high school diploma or the college degree. And yet it's still a field that is lacking in both youth and women. And I'm going to I'm going to jump the gun here and ask why, because I think I have some personal experience with this, but I want to ask why. Well, I can. Go ahead, Chuck. Chuck. Can I start on that? Yes, I think um, I think science and math haven't been as cool up until now. You know, the le- until the, mm-hmm. until we got to this century. I mean, it was it was gender specific basically with a a college bound um, professional, you know, bright, talented young woman. Is that the science and math? Um, engineering type programs and stuff they just weren't they either the student wasn't directed that way or they didn't seem appealing that way and i think i think we've blown the doors off that i think that is no longer an issue and i think that that's going to uh, be one of the the reasons why you know women will have such an important role in our industry moving forward yeah i i'd I'd like to jump in as well i guess the um when I spoke to it, you know, it's funny. I spoke to a couple of women that I know that are in the industry in positions at, at, at colleges and universities, and I asked the same question. And, and colleges have two things. They, their, their job is to educate, but their job is also to make sure that their graduates have a job. And I think that, that, that at any given point, they probably sit down in a generational period and say, well, Kennedy wants us to go to the moon. We need some rocket scientists. And I think that uh, to a large degree, they were past built by the educational institutions as to where they fit. And, and I think it's a generational thing. I think that it's gone. I, I agree with you, Chuck. I think that there's um, I think that with the technology and how everybody's touching it now and involved with it, I think that it's opening up to the possibility in their in 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 women's you know roadmap. Uh, I think mm-hmm. they get I think they get excited by it. They use it. Uh, you know they see the uh, affect of it. So I think that it's it's still in the college's hands though. I think that there's still a burden to make sure that those conversations are being offered and 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 pushed. Mm-hmm. What about you, Tim? Well, some of it is is I, honestly, I, I see some of it as a catch twenty two. Um, you guys are right. In in our industry, you can go from a high school education to as far as you want to go, but the catch twenty two of that is getting in and getting the experience. 
you can either have you know a, a double E or you can have uh, you know Crestron certified you know, programmer, one of the two, you know, or or you can have both. But some of it also is getting in the door and getting that experience. And I'm a big proponent of you know getting uh, working with Infocom and working with organizations like an SCA and developing curriculum inside established institutions uh, where you can spend two years or you can spend four years or you can come out with associates of AV technology. You can come out with a bachelor's and go to you know a, a place here in St. Louis, a, 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 a integrator, and say, look, I have you know this much experience you know because I've gone through the classes. And you guys are right. We, we as as a society, we need to bump up and increase our science and technology and our math and science and technology stuff we do inside the twelve years that we have the kids. And then it kind of primes them for getting out and getting into you know a four year education and making it cool and making it you know known. This is what you can do. Exactly. Yeah, that's great. And, you know, um, I know that from myself personally, I have uh, been in the broadcast my high school. I always this is one that's really, um, really close to my heart is that I actually had a uh, broadcast studio available to me when I was in high school. And then I went to the University of Massachusetts, which had a full functioning television station. So but I know that that is a unique experience. And it was something where at the time I would have never thought that it would have gotten me to where I am right now with my career. It was just something that I enjoyed doing. So I think as an industry, um, we have come a long way that it's no longer that we sell boxes or we sell switches. And the more that we can sell the idea of saving people's lives with telemedicine, that's always my big thing. Um, that's what women are really going to you know, find intriguing. And, and those are the types of things that, you know, we've just all sort of talked about how collaborative women are and, and things like that. The more that we can sort of demonstrate that part of our industry to women and also, um, George, you mentioned youth, um, just in general, I think that we're going to be better off in terms of getting the young uh, folks as well as women um, excited about wanting to take part in it. You're listening to the Women in AV Wavecast brought to you by Rave Pubs and AV Nation. To listen to this podcast and all the other fantastic podcasts that are available, go to www.ravepubs.com forward slash AV Nation. So let me ask you this. Is what, is what I'm hearing is that it, it's an application thing, uh, maybe for a metaphor. It's sort of like not understanding what um, algebra is until finally you get into the tech world and someone finally says, ah, here's how you apply finding X. Well, it's it, um, hang on, though. But I spent two years, three years in, in algebra and trig going, I'll never use this, George. Right. <laughs> Seriously. Right. But then, then you go into a practical or you go into some – you go into tech school, some training program, and finally someone says, here's an logarithmic function, and you need sort of an algebraic background to go, oh, now I understand yes. why I need to know this kind of stuff. Uh, so that's what I'm going to ask even to, to Jennifer, turn the tables on you here. But um, <laughs> is it really about finding an application that is significant to draw someone in? Or is it, is it more than that? Because here's why I ask. I have a sister who is crafty as can be but non-technical we grew up together in the same house we got the same atari computer back in those days in the 80s um and uh and and she just is not interested add to that i have a live-in caretaker for my children i have an au pair um and she is in the last couple of days talking to her she's really interested and wants to know how to do more programming like html or like java Mm -hmm. because she has a blog and she's really interested in tvs computers and i said why don't you do it 
One was, I don't know where to go. That's a fair question. The second was, you know what? I never had the opportunity, she said. And I said, well, what about in school? And her answer was, well, the guys, every time there's a problem, the boys always rushed up and they always elbowed you out. Well, you know, so I'm wondering, are we still dealing with that? Is it the alpha male as we brought up earlier? You know, oh, I, boy, I'm going to do this. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump on that. I think that there's a, you know, I think that that's an underlying issue. However, I mean, one of the other reasons, I have three daughters um, myself that are, that are, uh, that have been involved, and I think that one of the, the changes, this is going to be a very sh- strange line, but they were involved in sports, and I think that it taught them a competitive edge, and I thought it, taught, it, it actually taught them competition, period, amen, and, you know, I always joke about the last pork chop on the table, the three ladies will always poke the brothers with a fork and make sure that they get their piece, um, you know, so I think that, you know, when you mentioned Atari, you know, even the gaming today is the same situation, I think that it's, the software is geared towards males, <laughs> you know, you know, they, you know, even even the early Atari days, you had to kill or destroy something, and I don't think that that falls in the wheelhouse of women. You know, and 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 I also need to go back to the comment that you made, Jennifer. I think that it's really important that you you brought out the conversation of, you know, being exposed to technology. I think that's what the major difference is going to be going forward. Uh, there were, I mean, women were 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 were. were blocked out of opportunities they were not made aware they were geared in different directions i think that yeah. every single day that, that that my daughter touches her text and touches and grabs my ipod the minute i walk through the door exposes her to technology and exposes to a possibility of a career and it could be something as simple as you know graphic design sure but it could also be hey how does this thing work but J- john don't you think some of that is also how you know, like jennifer was exposed to uh, to a TV studio. I mean, when, oh, absolutely. When I was oh, abso- at, going absolutely. to school, we we were made to made. I took home ec when I was in in middle school because right. you know bo- yeah. both sides. You know, and I made a oh, darn right, good. I made a darn good apron. Thank you very much. Right. Yeah. I didn't take. I didn't take. I didn't take any of those courses. But I'm a, I'm a pretty good cook. But I wish I was exposed to that because there's some things that I do wrong. <laughs> so, well, Jennifer. Um. Well, Jennifer, I, I. How tough. How tough was it in high school for you, though, when you were doing this? Well, you know, um, I think one of the things is also it is about the individual personality. Um, so I was also doing sports. You know, I mean, I was captain of my soccer team. I was captain of the cheerleader. Okay. So um, sure. it, it was my individual personality. I think that I never I personally never felt that there was anything that could hold me back. I, my grandfather um, raised me always to believe that I can do anything that I want to do. And, and I took him very seriously because if he said that I could do it, then I might as well. So um, I think that it's a lot about the role models um, and the personality that I just enjoyed doing it. That was something that I found. I wanted to do a new show. I wanted to be a producer of the new show. I didn't necessarily, and then I enjoyed the engineering side of it. So I didn't necessarily go into it um, in terms of, I want to learn technology. That that was not what it was that drew me. I wanted to, you know, make news and, and do that kind of stuff. So that's where um, I feel like, you know, as an industry and not just the AV industry, just STEM in general, we really need to sort of change how we're um, selling our message of what makes it cool to, to be in our industry. 
I, 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 again, I, I agree. I think ex- exposure is really the portion is the key portion of it because it, even at any level, I mean, when I started my career, again, I started out as a as a as a truck driver picking up parts and went from picking up parts to selling parts to understanding parts. But as everybody knows in my household, I can't put a hammer in my hand without smashing my other hand. <laughs> so I have I have no talents or abilities, but my wife does. I mean, she can fix plumbing and she can make electric sockets work and all kinds of fun things, um, you know. But she was exposed to it. I think that she touched it. And and again, it's not you know you don't pick up an iPad with the intent of of getting a career. You just start to get you start to see what the potential is and what you like, as you had mentioned, which is which is a very good story because if you were in a broadcast studio early on, your natural path would have been I'm going to be I'm going to be a, an anchor or I'm going to be somebody of talent, and you took it the exact you were behind the technology. So it's it's being exposed to it, touching it, having it available to you, and 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 being encouraged. I think it's not that's it's an understatement. I don't think that we're hitting. I, there's not enough encouragement encouragement for women to go and pursue this. Yeah. I mean it has to happen at every level, not just from a from a parent standpoint or a grandparent standpoint, but from from coworkers too. I think it's it's important that we do that. Well, and, you know, congratulations, George, um, because I think that it's really, you know, that is <clears throat> you're changing your uh, the path for your au pair in terms of helping her to to understand that and to move forward. And I think that, you know, what you said was really kind of poignant in terms of exactly what my path was, but differently, she has a blog and she wants to learn how to do it better. So she has something else that's sort of interesting her and that she enjoys doing. And then she wants to know how to do it better. And sort of that to me is what kind of resonates um, the message of what you shared. Yeah, I, I ask these questions because I have two sons, but growing up through through this and going to a trade school, I saw you know how the genders were, were starting to become you know heavily slated more towards female than male, and and you know became like less than fifty than than if you read the reports now, a lot of the degrees and the technical people are women uh, coming into the industry. Yet we still don't see them here. I know when we do internships here, it's mostly guys. And the, the, the few women don't seem to apply. Now, there's a few, again, who are, again, in lighting, <laughs> where I guess aggre- that, that aggressiveness that we're expecting is, is accepted from them. Um, and, and, but my bigger question comes down to not just that, and I'm sort of mixing it in my head. What I see as the tools for, say, kids to learn there's always a man and a male and a female version, which I never understand. It's the pink handled tools, it's the. Mm-hmm pink and green fluorescent colored uh, Legos, which a lot of people say are successful and who cares they're Legos, right? Um, but it's sort of one of those things that, that I don't really understand. It's like, why does there have to be a difference in that besides saying it's cool or besides saying there's a solution here? And I think we're still approaching it in many ways as a culture, at least U.S. culture, in a, in a very gender, let's keep the roles, let's empower you, but keep our roles going kind of way. And it still confuses me to this day. Because like you guys said, I was taught that mom can do anything. My mom could build a, a frame a, frame a wall and could <laughs> wallpaper and paint and mm-hmm. fly a hammer as well as be mom, you yeah. know? Which I think some of that is is people's need to categorize things. I, I really do. I mean, I, I, I think that the, the pink and, and green Legos are silly. 
you know, I grow, you know, as as my children grow up, I expose them to the same, the things that that I'm interested in, just because I'm a geek and that's what I do. And and here recently, I, I started my kids down the path of Star Wars, and I didn't sit down and say, okay, Sophie, which is my my daughter's my six year old's name. You know, you can only be Princess Leia, or or you can't watch this with Daddy because this is a geek movie, and your brother can. I exposed both of them, much to the chagrin of my wife, <laughs> who my my children, both of them, uh, my daughter especially, will ask to watch Doctor Who or will ask to watch Star Wars when it comes time for them to choose and and, and to be able to pick what they watch. And I think it is the equal exposure or the equal access to technology to science to math that will help maybe not you know the current situation where we're in but will help the generations and the and the, and the people coming up after us is you you start ingraining in people now equal access i mean i, I couldn't care less if, if a hammer was pink or or brown i'm going to use it because it's a good hammer mm-hmm. um but there are people in our society who do need the ability to categorize things, and and I think as we as we guys like us and, and and women like like Jennifer here, who are able to tear down some of those walls and tear down some of those categories, I, I think will help the people who are coming up after us. To you know what you know, in ten or twenty years, they may not be pink and green, you know, Legos. Yeah. Well, let me well ask- unless they need, unless they're needed for something. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> thank you, again, George. I, I'm sorry to jump in. I just didn't want to say you know it's not bad, but when we're focusing, they're ugly. That- I mean. <laughs> Well, but when the focus is, oh, you'll like this and it'll get you into tech because it's pink. Yes. It's not the real, that's not the message. No. You know? It's not well, more functional ask, or less functional because it's pink. True. But um, I want to, if I can, I want to ask Chuck. Chuck, you have a really strong um, background in education. And so, you know, I, I, I kind of like my pink. I definitely, I mean, so I, <laughs> I um, you know, I like all colors, but um, I certainly like my pink. And so, Chuck, from your perspective in terms of education, as I'm sitting here, you know, hearing what you guys are saying, do you think that there may be um, a difference in terms of not how we educate the underlying message of what we're delivering in education, but do, do you see a difference in maybe how we we could sort of gear our education slightly different so that it's more interesting to a woman versus a man? Or do you find that men and women all sort of learn equally? Oh, I think I think that too is has changed dramatically. But I I see more of a um, a pattern where it, it's far more equal in many senses. Now you could argue. You know, some people have, uh, you know, different learning styles, uh, tactical, sensory, you know, things of that nature. But, but I, think, I think for the most part, what I see is that there are some very, um, you know, creative type technologies in our industry. Let's use digital signage uh, for an example. That is very appealing to someone who wants to learn something that's very visual, like lighting would be. Um, you know, it's very visual, it's very stylish, you can be creative there. And then on the flip side of that, where, you know, it's primarily a male um, interesting type of uh, occupation, if you will, is what we deal with a lot, and that is the construction and engineering side of the business, where, you know, um, you go to a job site and you're looking at you know, a building that isn't yet built, trying to envision 
what type of systems and technologies will be implemented throughout that building. And then knowing that you've got to go to project meetings and, you know, your career path might be one of a project manager or something that has a very different, maybe it's a left brain, right brain thing, but it has a very different audience that finds that appealing. And so that's, that's what I see is that, you know, people certainly learn differently and want to learn differently. Um, Some people like, live interaction versus, you know, webinars, let's say. Um, but I think for the most part, it's the appeal of the the end result that you're looking at. Like you want to be a project manager versus you want to be a lighting designer. That takes people on completely different career paths, I think. You're listening to the Women in AV Wavecast. To hear this and all the other wonderful podcasts that are available, you can go to www.ravepubs.com forward slash AV Nation. Okay. So our next question that we'd like to hear your perspective on is, what are some of the women standouts that, uh, you, ha- that you know in our industry that have inspired you and are really phenomenal role models for young women and just any woman in our industry who would look to in terms of how to be successful? And if you could tell us, you know, you know one or two ladies and also really more importantly, you know, why, why are they an inspiration to you and what is it about them, um, the qualities that they have? So, um, Tim, let's start with you. All right. Um, well, my, my two actually come from uh, your first show, which uh, the one is is Joanne. And Joanne runs a, a, an integration company uh, in Toronto, I think, somewhere in Canada. And I don't know. She, there, there's, there's something about her because she is, first of all, the head of an integration company. So let's start with that. That's not a, a typical um, position for, for a lot of women in, in our industry. And... She is just, first of all, really smart with the way she does it and very gracious. She is more than willing to talk to anybody, regardless of male or female, and help them out with any kind of issues. And the second one is is Corey Schaefer from Listen. And that's because she is runs a company and, and, help, and has helped develop this technology that is you know ubiquitous when it comes to um, house of worship and also, uh, in my area, education, where... She's taken an idea and developed it, and here's this great little product that, that she came up with, and, and now she's helping you know sell it. So that's mine. Great. Well, if he takes away one of mine, does that mean I only have one left? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Corey, Corey uh, is, from my, from my perspective, Corey Schaefer is, is, uh, is a dynamic leader in this industry. I think that it's just remarkable, and I think that the – a couple things that even Chuck said earlier on, I think that um, she presents a very streamlined approach towards it, and there's an energy that's, that seems to be unstoppable. Um, I, I, I'll sit here at the end of my day and try to catch up to her on social media and know that I've got to go back tomorrow and, and be at least a day behind. Uh, that's one of the, you know, she's remarkable, and she's, she just provides a real energy uh, to, to me to just to try to keep up. Uh, in, in, in all the times that I've I've sold uh, products, uh, again, in, 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 in situations as a systems integration company and as a manufacturer. Uh, I guess if I'm going to go back, and, uh, and maybe she'll catch this, but Jane Crittenden, who used to be an account manager down in Washington, D.C., uh, another person that just was focused and driven and really took an interest in understanding the technology, 
she currently, I think, believes still, still, still working for for Panasonic. But I've run into for a, a remarkable crew of women that have always presented themselves as not being not just a top five percent of what company they work for, but in the top one, two, or three salespeople. Um, when when they've when they've decided that they're going to do something, there there's the tough competition. I lost a lot of business to Jane, and then. And there's other women as well, and I and and it's and it's remarkable because you sit there and she would you know recant some stories. You'd go over to you'd be in your trade show booth, and she'd have we'd I'd be working for a manufacturer with a competitive product on a camera, and I'd be having trouble. And she'd walk over and go, "Hey, hey, Sally, want you to do this, this, and this?" And we fix the problem. I go, "Okay, get out of my booth now." So <laughs> I have a lot of stories like that. Um, and on top of that, would challenge the tech not you know I, I, again it, and to fold some things together we talked about earlier you know men would come over and go well you couldn't possibly know this this or this and dress them down man dress them down and 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 gain respect because of that knowledge so that's just a couple of people wonderful that's a great story how about you chuck um you know the the ladies that were mentioned i i know them well and and uh, again i i concur they they are great role models. I want to talk about a, a, a lady you may not know as well, and that is Rose Shure from uh, Shure Microphone Company, Shure Incorporated. I had the, the great pleasure of interviewing her uh, about a year or two ago as she won our Lifetime Achievement Award, and what a remarkable story. In fact, the, the interview that I did with her, um, I can share with you. It's on our, our YouTube channel and stuff, but it was just remarkable to see what that woman did in terms of um, carrying on the culture of the organization. Her husband passed away, and and Rose was uh, left in charge of a huge company, and it was it's just phenomenal to see the the vision, the the culture, the the core values that this woman had, and the the way that she was a role model not just to other women that that work there, but the every employee of that company has has so much respect for her and it just ties all the way through to the you know what you see that that comes out in their products and everything so she is definitely one of them and then i've had the great fortune of having several very tough women very strong tough ladies on our nsca board over the years and and these women they went toe to toe with the guys that had the big egos and knew all about everything and they just I, I was so proud of them because they were just not back down ever from from things that they knew just as much about so you know I've just I'm surrounded with you know in um, my day job I, I don't have any um, other guys in the office really um, other than Nick that that work here so I'm surrounded with women every day and just even the employees here um, at NSCA they are very very good at what they do and they're very professional so I, I'm just very blessed to have been surrounded by so many good women and, and such an inspirational uh, group of people. That's really wonderful. Well, um, you must have a lot of good treats and, and cookies and things in the office as well. <laughs> well, they're, they're, they're very organized. <laughs> How about you, George? I've got actually three because two of them are personal business and, and one of them sort of um, – uh, a semi-famous person who has taught me a lot about the drive in human beings, let alone uh, women. Um, there's Betsy Longendorfer, who is one of the chief engineering people at um, Crestron Electronics. She is someone who has, in the early days of that company, was really the person in charge and is still a driving force behind a lot of the products that come out of that company. 
Um, she's a really focused, tough-minded, but fair person who really knows how to manage people. Uh, and she basically is managing a lot of men. It's a very heavy engineering, and it's still in that sort of expected world of, you know, maybe 90, 10%. It may have changed since I've been there, but she was a really good person. Uh, the other one's Sandy Benedetto. She was with Panasonic for a while. I believe she's with THX now. And she is someone who, you know, was able to take me aside and teach me things when I was a young kid <laughs> in this business, thinking I knew everything or wanted to know everything yesterday uh, and was able to help pace my education by simply being there and answering the questions and directing me. Uh, and the third is a driving force that I think everybody should know and should probably follow. And that's one Cindy Gallup. Uh, I met Cindy as a support specialist for Crestron years ago and developed a friendship with her in many respects. And she uh, runs a number of things, but she is a startup business herself, having left the world of marketing and still is an uh, expert at all that. But she drives now for women in coding and women in tech. She does, a, uh, if we ran the world, a website about microactions. She does a number of other things, all of that are really centered on equality and changing the playing field uh, in, in, a, in a really great way. Uh, Gallup.com. She is a force to be reckoned with, and somebody whom uh, I take a lot of inspiration from. That's really great. One of the things that is a really unique thing that we're starting to sort of see in our industry, and I just wanted to get your your perspective on this is. We have the recent announcement of Marissa Mayer being uh, the new CEO for Yahoo. She was hailed. She was criticized. She also, on the same day that she announced that, announced that she was going to be a mom-to-be for the first time. It, it just created a, an entire sort of tizzy around everybody's opinions about whether or not that's a good thing, a bad thing. Um, I recently wrote on uh, Rave Pubs about a woman, Dr. Anne-Marie Slaughter, who um, came out with an Atlantic article about why women can't have it all. And again, she I was really kind of blown away, and it was a lot of it was from women. She chose to walk away from a high-paying, high-government job, the uh, first director of international relations for um, Senator Clinton, Um, she chose to walk away from that and put her family as her priority. So one of the things that sort of have come up for us is um, whether or not there's different challenges for women who are at a certain level in their career um, in terms of being managers and supervisors, but not really necessarily getting to that executive director role such as yourself, Chuck, you know, or, you know, the Jan Sandries and the Corey Schaefer's who, you know, really still sort of, sort of seem to be an elite group of women that a lot of women kind of max out at the manager supervisor level. So, you know, I just wanted to ask you all, you know, what is sort of your perspective in terms of is there a different challenge for women um, as they get on in their career? And, and is there something special that we need to be focusing on to try to help them get to that next level? So, Chuck, do you want to start out with that? Um, I'll try. Um, one of the things that that I have seen and I've helped coach uh, many women in the in the industry on is that I think that as they you know look at what their career you know goals are and everything I, I, I ask them to be honest with themselves and ask them to to really step back and evaluate what it is that they want where do they see themselves going and stuff and and the message I have to them is that based on all of the 
um, pressures of, of this industry, their job, their, their family life and everything, that, that you can't be perfect at everything. There's no such thing as a perfect mom and a perfect employee, you know, a perfect business owner at the same time when there's only so many hours in the day. So what I encourage people to do is to step back and, and have great conversations with the owner of the company or the, the person that they're stepping into that CEO role. Uh, talking to the person that was there before them. So just trying to be really, really honest, open, and have that that communications, um, you know, that is transparent to what, what their life is like, you know, at home as well as at work and everything. So I feel, I feel that it's, it's really important that as we, as we mentor people moving up into that role, that we talk about that fully integrated lifestyle, the balance of work and home and to uh, really be honest about what makes you happy in, in addition to what makes you successful at work. So that, that, that's my perspective on that anyway. Well, and I would say that if you look at, not to make this simplistic, but if you look at how many men make it into executive positions, I think that, I honestly don't think that it's, it's that women have necessarily um, a harder time at it. I, it just, it comes down to how you manage your life and what you want. Uh, you know, there are people who will probably never make it into a CEO position, and, and that's simply because either they don't have the drive or they don't have the desire. I, I think that, yes, you have women who, if you're trying to be a mother and a CEO, wow, that's, you know, hat my hat off to, to any woman who's trying to do that because that is, you know, you are the CEO of the house when you're the mom, uh, and so you're trying to do both. I think that takes a, a very special person. So yes, the, I guess I should, I should clarify. Yes, there are challenges, but I think it comes down to the type of person you are and re- what you really want out of life. You know, it's interesting. I, my wife stayed home for the first seven years of uh, my oldest uh, uh, being uh, being being alive, <laughs> as it were, for lack of a better phrase. Sorry for that. Um, but uh, it was a conscious choice we made, and we sacrificed a lot of things. And I say that not uh, only to say that parenthood in general is hard, no matter who it is. I mean, what traditionally we knew that daddy goes to work, mommy stays home, right? And we sort of follow that '50s leave it to Beaver, father knows best kind of model, and we still have that somewhere in the back of some of our brains because the culture is based upon that. There's marketing references everywhere to that that either make us happy or anger us, depending on how that marketing person is trying to make us feel in certain ways. Um, but it really does come down to what the relationship between the parents is, who's willing or can do what they can to make the family life work. So uh, the thing is that in my day, I know that. If my wife, who stayed home for a really long time, was a very successful chef and is now working again very successfully as a project manager for a major corporation, um, if she had the opportunity to really, really grow that and it would make it uh, affordable for me to stay at home, I would do it in a heartbeat because I've had a lot of success. And not that I want to give that up and if my, my employer is uh, listening. No, I can't. <laughs> but, um, you know, I would because that's an opportunity and it really comes down to that relationship. Um, you know, my, my wife got me into watching Mad Men. I'm no, no, notorious for not really wa- liking TV, but she got me into watching Mad Men. And the thing that everybody talks about is, of course, we all cringe at some of the very 50s, 60s things they do, the way we treat each other, the smoking around babies. The, there was an episode where they all played in the plastic dry cleaning bags, right? And my, my thought always is, will they 20 years from now look back at us and cringe in the same way? We're saying we're all really good about this and we're trying to move forward, but there's so many things that we're inherently doing 
that we may not even realize unless we pause to think about it that could be cringeworthy in 20 years from now. And so that, you know, that, that combination, that question of this uproar between can mommy have it all? Well, none of us can have it all, really. Not unless we're billionaires wealthy. And even then, it's probably not possible. Um, so it really, I think, comes down to working together in whatever relationship you are and whatever partnership you are in a family. Well, I, I'm going to jump in on this and probably be uh, uh, to take a little bit, maybe a little bit of a different tact. I think that there's the conversation that we're having is trying to define the difference between a life goal and a and a career goal, and I think it's important that 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 you separate those two. Um, I think we're being too kind on ourselves, gentlemen, by saying that um, the burden of not just you know we cannot make babies, so that's you know that's that's an easy <laughs> yes. thing for us to walk away from. Okay, that's yours. But I think that uh, I think that in the women that I've uh, been exposed to over the over the years of my career, they're burdened with a lot of other tasks beyond that. I think it's not just raising children, but it's also taking care of the elder parents. It's taking care of an awful lot of things, and and it is a, it is a life choice. Uh, my in my particular story, uh, my wife was a vice president of sales at a financial institution, and was very well off. And uh, we we sat down and decided that we were going to have children, and 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 the burden of that was somebody needs to stay home, and and she took on that burden as well. So I think that it's, I, I don't want to go so far as to say, but I'm going to. It's disingenuous for us not to say that the burden of a lot of these choices fall on the women in the industry. Um, but it is, it's a life choice, um, you know. Because again, I think all of us, if if given an opportunity, that you know, we, you know, it's, I don't want to start a career and then end up at a heart attack. That's, that's not the goal. Um, you know, so it's, uh, it's refreshing to see that, that there are women that are willing to, to make those decisions, those career choices, because they deserve that bite of the apple as well as we do. That's really great. I, I think it is, it is an interesting sort of, you know, conversation to have. But from my perspective, the, the thing that really touched on me for that whole conversation um, was just the term having it all. And if there was one thing that I, I really resonate with um, what George said in terms of, you know, my thing was, why can't we just get rid of that word? It's just, it's divisive. It creates a have and have not situation, whether you're a male or female. And for me, we're in this together. Just changing that context of that conversation and having that sort of conversation, whether it's with your business employer, whether it's with your partner at home, really just focusing on what the solution is and, and what's going to be the best for everybody, I think really kind of helps everybody to have a little bit of everything that they want. Well, I, I, I'm going to tie a little weave behind all of that. You know what? The, one of the wonderful things is technology is going to help. You know, the fact that teleconferencing and telecommuting and, and work to be anywhere. And we, everybody on this phone call probably has, you know, some kind of a mobile device that still receives email at midnight. So they can get to have it all. <laughs> and you don't want it all. <laughs> it's a new uh, industry motto. <laughs> we'll, give you, we'll give it to you all. You can have it all, you just don't want you it. You can have it all. What do you want to do with it? That's why we need more young people so we can push it off on them. I've done Amen, it brother. <laughs> they're young, they're pliable, they've got all kinds of energy. Absolutely. They know how to use this stuff, too. You know, yes, really, you've got to learn this part. It's okay. Five years, 10 max, you'll do it. And then it's done. Just catch me on one more wave of technology, and I think I'm out of here. So, um, you know, finally, you know, we still are, you know, we still definitely ha uh, see some disparities in the numbers. And as amazing as it was to see all of the women come together and knowing that uh, we just celebrated our year anniversary for the women in AV, we have almost 450 women um, internationally, um, which is 
just really phenomenal and wonderful. Chuck, what do you think are some of the things that as an industry we can look to do to try to recruit more women to join us? And, you know, what are some initiatives that we need to undertake? Well, I think, um, you know, having planned career paths is one thing, you know, having having, um, the tools to show people the vast array of, you know, once you get started in this industry, you can head off a a million different directions and to be able to show people that, that there is something for every interest, no matter what, you know, um, kind of thing excites you about the technology, we can, we can go different directions. I think also, um, you know, and I, and I speak to many women in this industry that are, are the younger women that are coming up trying to find their way in middle management or in engineering, getting from, you know, that, that, uh, over the stigma of, of once having been the, the sales girl, if you will, and being perceived, you know, by her clients or coworkers as such, into getting into that, that next tier, that next strata management level, whatever, is to do more, um, as an industry to change the behavioral and cultural, you know, boundaries here and stuff. We've, I've got uh, um, people that still go into like a client meeting or a management meeting and, um, you know, where the the younger people in our industry, this isn't necessarily women, but the younger people, they're, they're faced with uh, condescending type behavior. You know, they want to look and have a conversation with the the boss, you know, the the older person in the room, the male in the room, whatever. And I think what we have to do is to uh, continue to spread the word, you know, do what you're doing to uh, deliver the message that we're creating a better business um, or a better workplace environment, one that is based on you know the the gender not not making any difference, but the skills and the training and the education and knowledge of the of the products and systems and and so on and so forth. So, I see that you know we we've gone a long ways, but there's still a, a long ways to go yet with with all of that. So, you know our organizations uh, ourselves and Infocom and all the other industry associations, we could go a long ways in in helping create that that better workplace environment as well. What 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 I think we need to do is, as an industry, not just guys or, or women, we need to not be afraid to open up our brains to those younger than us. And the reason I say that is because my father is is a is a machinist, and and he grew up, you know, he he was an apprentice and, and all this other stuff. But you had a situation where in a, a uh, organization that he worked alongside older people who showed him the tricks of the trade and, and this, that, and the other. And, and I sometimes think that we are lacking that in this industry, where you have people, the older they get, the more secretive they get about their their procedures and, and how they do things. Because, you know, heaven forbid, somebody's going to take over their job someday. Well, I hate yeah. to be the bearer of bad news. Somebody's going to take your job over someday, whether you retire or whether you pass away or whether you're you're outsourced. Somebody is going to take over that job. And so if we, if we as industry people will pass along that information and not to be, you know, grandiose here, but you your legacy, your knowledge will live on in someone else. And I think if, if we take women by the hand and, and others by the hand and, and teach them and show them, you know, yes, here's, you know, here's Ohm's law. But also, here's you know, here's how I found this this trick to troubleshoot this thing. I don't know. Yeah, I, I guess I'm gonna my I guess my jump on this is that I think that the walls are already down. I think that it's um, 
I, I agree wholeheartedly with a lot of the comments, especially you know the younger generation, whether they're male or female, getting excited about our industry. But I think that when I say that the walls are down, I, again, I think that our industry built those up. Uh, when I when I look at women in AV, I, that was created out of a social network, LinkedIn. And you have 450 women that are now talking, whereas before all us white guys would be sitting around, old white guys would be sitting around the golf course and, and making the deals and talking about the technology and building the businesses. And I think that's gone now. I think that it's, it's out of our hands, <laughs> which is actually, I, I, I consider it to be truly helpful. I, I, that's the difference. I think that there's people going to be poking in at our industry as long as we keep it upbeat. And I think that we you know, express you know, a, a, you know, a love for the industry. I think that people will come. I mean, that's generally what happens. They, they, they drive towards where, where the fun is. And our industry is fun. <laughs> yes, it <laughs> is. It, well, you know, it's actually, it's one of those things is that I um, I actually have an interesting, I think, um, perception on this being that I'm sort of right in the middle of, um, you know, maybe that old school sort of generation versus the younger generation. Um, and I find that it really works both ways. Right now we have four generations in our workplace, which is the first time in the history. Um, so I, I really do understand and hear when it's sort of that perspective of, you know, the the executive saying this kid doesn't know what what I know and therefore might not have anything to contribute. Then I also sort of see it on the other side of that as well in regards to looking at what our different generational needs are because I think in some regards you know, Chuck, you mentioned early on about Jan Sandry and the first thing that you said that was about her, um, not just her confidence, but her humility. And I yeah. think that in some regards, the way that the younger generations can help sort of facilitate is to, to really be respectful of sort of that experience and wisdom that an executive has. And and that sometimes is a little bit, I think, for the younger generations, they're, they're really enthusiastic, but they sometimes might not understand how important it is to maintain humility and really understanding your audience. Yeah. Yeah, that's important. And, you know, the other thing, um, and you touched on it yourself, what, I, what I'm seeing is, you know, Jan's the perfect mentor. Um, we have other uh, young women in the industry getting into it for the first time that could be perfect mentees, if you will. But what I'm seeing is that, like you, you told the story of how you were raised, and what we're starting to find is that young women that were coached by their parents or people at school or whatever to be strong and confident, you can do anything and, and be more self-sufficient, what we're, what we're seeing is that when they get into the workplace, they're the ones that actually struggle more with accepting the role of a mentee. So what, what yeah. we got to find here, Jennifer, is a balance between uh, that confidence, if you will, and people that have the humility and the understanding that, you know, hey, you weren't, you weren't born on third base and all you got to do is get from there to home plate. You got to, when you get to the workplace, you got to start over at first base or at home plate and try to get to first, then to second, then to third. Or even so tryouts. Or yeah. even get to yeah. make the tryouts. And so, so I think that's the important thing is that while we want to, you know, bring the, the brightest young people into the industry with all the education and training and knowledge and confidence that they can have, we also want to have the tools, you know, for them that can assist them in getting the expertise and experience from, you know, the Jans and Corys of the world brought down into that 20-something and, and be able for them 
to make sure it's okay for them to be, you know, asking for help and things rather than encouraging people to have that, you know, so much confidence that they're not willing to, to seek the advice of others. So it's a, it's a long story, but it's something that, that we got to work on a little bit more. Chuck, I'd, I'd like to ask a question, and, and again, maybe it's, I, I haven't been involved in, in, in groups to a large degree, but LinkedIn caused me to join the a, Women in AV. Are there other groups, like even inside of, let's say, NSCA or that are like Infocom that are specific to the needs and the wants and the mentoring of women? I think that this is a unique opportunity, I, that's, that's kind of why I'm excited about it. It's a, it's a new avenue. I haven't seen groups like this before. Um, there is another industry. Um, if you look outside of our industry and into others, right. there's been there's great models for us to follow here that that right. have this mentorship type um, mindset. You know, both internally in the company and and matching up others outside of the companies. But we're just at the very start of this thing in the in in our world. So mm-hmm. uh, we'd have to look outside. I think have good good models uh, right. to go by. And that is um, something, uh, John, that we are um, working on and just getting ready to get back in touch with everybody. We had um, a few busy months, but we are actually launching a mentoring program. Um, and so we, um, and I'll send you the link if you want to be involved. Please and do. Um, So um, we we encourage men and uh, women to, right now we're only offering mentoring to women. Um, we can't offer it to young men, but we have both, and Chuck signed up. So um, Chuck's going to be one. One of our mentors. Great. So what about you, George? I, I think a lot that everybody's making really, really valid points. The outreach is the outreach. Um, I think it comes down to having someone go out there and like you guys are doing, saying, hello, we're here. Like the early example I said of Cindy, Cindy Gallup, who is brash as can be, but she's getting attention. She's bringing exposure to some of these groups that are out there about, you know, women programmers uh, and, and, and the like, and like WAVE, that you say, I'm here. If you have questions, yeah, we're in this industry and we'd like to do it. So, you know, not being too cocky, cocky, that's a young person's thing that some get it, some don't. And I think that's really regardless of gender. I've met people on both sides who <laughs> can be too timid and who can really be too much like they think they know it all. Um, so, Really, it comes down to for a company like us saying, hey, are you interested in this stuff or do you even want to explore it? We're happy to show you what it's about. Sometimes we'll be brash. Sometimes we'll be too busy. But for the most part, we're willing to have anyone who's interested come on up and see if this is for them and to learn a little bit. And it really is about like any young person should do is here's my resume. Hey, I like what you guys do. I'd love to try an internship. Talk to me directly talk to us through uh, an educator or come through someone like wave we're happy 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 to find anyone who has an interest and a knack for it wonderful well thank you thank you so much gentlemen this has just been an amazing opportunity and you all have done so much for the women in our industry and for wave and we're just incredibly grateful for all of the support and help that you provide us as i mentioned when we first got started we really do recognize and appreciate that so much of the women of those of us who are here would not be where we're at if it was not for all of you and and all of the things that you do. Thank you very much for taking your time and being on the podcast. I mean, I could drop off and play with my robot now? (laughs) Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Yes, you can. As soon as you tell everybody where they can find you and your company. (laughs) Again. (laughs) Uh, John, where can people find you and if they want to find you? I hear the cranking. (laughs) 
again, this is John Graham with Advanced AV. We're we're located just outside of Westchester. Uh, actually, we're located in Westchester, which is a suburb in Philadelphia. My email address is uh, John dot green g r double e n e the e at the extra end spent the fifty bucks and got the extra val at advancedav.com. Great, thank you. How about you, George? Uh, you can find me on AV Nation. I, blo I blog for Rave Pub, uh, Shout, a AV Shout, uh, and my personal one, which is TuckerTuesday.typepad, as well as Tucker Tuesday on probably any social media form you can find. If there's a Tucker Tuesday, it's me. Great. Thank you. Chuck, how about you? Well, um, people can reach me at my email. Uh, it's probably the best at cwilson at nsca.org or go to our website, um, nsca.org. Or the new thing that we started that you know, Jennifer, is the, uh, the AVMBA. And the avmba.com is the, the website. But that's a, a partnership between us and RAVE. And so every week I'm putting my question of the week up there and then my video blog and some of the other uh, written blogs that we're doing and everything. So um, it's worth reading. There's, there's just all sorts of content up there now. Yes, it's actually, it's really fantastic. So um, I do read it all the time, and then I tweet it out for everybody from Wave. So, <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. We're getting, we're getting lots of comments about it. So uh, I got to keep making, I got to keep, you know, soliciting input so that I can keep putting out better and better uh, information, the things that people want to read. So, so I appreciate you doing that. Yeah, wonderful. Happy to. And how about you, Tim? Um, yeah, the I guess, guess the best place to find where where I do and, and what I do uh, is is the ravepubs dot com uh, forward slash avnation. That's where you'll find all of our podcasts. Um, TD Tim David Albright uh, on Twitter. Uh, if you'd like to follow uh, any of the ramblings, which is generally uh, retweeting whatever George tweets, so <laughs> it, it makes me sm sound smart that way. <laughs> oh, there's such potential in that. Such <laughs> Uh, Great. Well, thank you, gentlemen. And with your robots, the one thing, I don't know if I mentioned this, but the thing I found the coolest was that when you crank him up and roll him across the table, um, he'll find his way to get back up on his feet. So that one was oh, <laughs> certainly wow. interesting. How appropriate. <laughs> Great. Well, thank you, gentlemen. Thank you again. Jennifer, thank you for putting it together. Thank you. Yes. Thanks for having thank us. You. Yes. yes. My pleasure. Thank you, everybody, for joining us and listening to our AV Gem and all the insights that they shared with us. I will look forward to bringing you another episode next month. Mm -hmm.